keep going. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Keep Going. In this episode, I think it's our fourth episode, which we've entitled Pain and Anxiety Yield Really Tasty Fruit, is an episode in which we put Michael into the hot seat, if you will. Um, We unpack his experiences with Atreyu and how the challenges that he's met, um, he's met with creativity and curiosity and something I'm calling impeccability um, from the great wise man Don Juan in Carlos Castaneda's made-up anthropology books. So the idea behind this podcast was basically an idea that John had where he asked Michael, hey, what we'd like to break, break out a little bit what happened in your growth with Atreyu and how Atreyu was developed and where it went and what the what I'm calling pain points were along the way. And I think Michael disabuses us of the idea that these are things he considers pain points and more that they're opportunities. And I think he does a really excellent job of um, giving us a, a, a taste and a feel for kind of what that experience for him has been. And then we're able to take it and relate it in some ways to what it's like to be a coach and an athlete and, um, yeah, as we're still exploring the basic fundamentals of this episode, in this, in I mean, in this podcast generally, um, I think this may be the most, maybe the first episode that sort of lays out what the threads are that we're trying to achieve with this episode, with these podcasts in this series. So we hope you enjoy it. Um, it's really interesting. Right after this episode, we were standing out in the parking lot of. Michael's condo and we came up with the name keep going and I think you'll find in this episode that theme keeps turning around and around and around for us so hopefully you enjoy it uh it is heavy on the Michael and the Atreyu story but I think that's what makes it beautiful and interesting and I hope you enjoy um so with no further ado I bring you the episode we call pain and anxiety yield really tasty fruit. I know. That's awesome. All right. So the goal here is to talk about the idea that if we knew how hard it was, we probably wouldn't have done it. In what context? Give us a little context, little context there. All right. How did you eat? How did this even come out of your little pea brain? This came out because <laughs> last week, John, our buddy John, said that he was interested in kind of understanding some of the, the ideas that I've had to participate in or figure out or fumble through while starting the shoe company. And he expressed a really cool interest in that. And although I kind of shy away from talking about stuff like that a lot, like I spend a lot of my time trying to get away from like, check out how cool this is. Like I had learned Adobe Illustrator and now I know it or I can build a website or something like that. But I thought there was some stock in it. And then, and, and, and I, and I like John's interest in that. And then I liked your interest, Steve, in saying kind of like, where, where is my, uh, where's my, equity or 
collateral in the conversation and what can I offer? So maybe through this conversation, we can, we can explore that a little bit. And so the theme that I came up with is essentially, which is my over, overall idea, is that sometimes you just got to jump in and, um, and, and just start learning stuff. So I don't know how we want to bridge well, that. It's so interesting because that's exactly what we're doing with this podcast. Yeah. So this is our fourth cut. Who knows how, whether this will ever see the light of day. Mm-hmm. Who knows what order it'll see and how it'll see. But this is kind of what we're doing at the same time that we're <laughs> trying to unpack your experience in Atreyu and being an entrepreneur and doing starting a shoe company especially because is we're also trying to figure out how, what is this thing we're doing together the three right. of us mm-hmm. <laughs> is it, it and i think that maybe one of the coolest parts of what we're doing is you know i said to the you the guys the other day i think we need to like have a through line a thread that mm-hmm. we can wind right. through everything but do we? because if i knew in advance i know how hard it was going to be would i do it no right. it's the ultimate paradox so i say fuck it Let's just roll, and who knows? Like, who knows where it goes? Well, and this, it, week, this week, I'm just trying to be light, just super yeah. light, as opposed to last week, I was kind of thinking about what I was saying. This week, I'm just trying to be present, have a good conversation, and see what happens. Well, you better, because we're coming at you. All so. right. Because yeah, <laughs> most of this is going to be, I mean, as much as John and I will likely talk about our own selves, because we have a tendency to talk about our That's own selves, because all we tactic. know. <laughs> I can just relay back a question and... We know that. In the other room. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I guess uh, Steve, would you like to? Would you like? See this. This is where I'm. I don't want to think too much. I'm already thinking too much about no, it. Trying not. to figure out the common thread. Well, the so let's let's frame it for people again. We're 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 bringing two different ideas in play here, right? What are the two different ideas? One is that at the start of anything, if we knew how hard it was going to be, would we do it in the first place? Right. Um, and what's the second idea that we're threading through here that we're not actually threading. We're actually presenting as a, cause the thread would mean it would be subtle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's basically the idea that there's shit we need to know that we didn't know that we needed Along the way, when we decided to do the thing that we wanted to do. That we didn't have the skill set. Exactly. And that we had to learn the skill So number one, we didn't know the pain. We didn't know the pain. And we didn't have the skills. But yet we still did it. Yeah, so it's a two-parter. It's the the emotional and the skills aspect of it. So those are the two kind of pillars of the idea. Well, we know you've been perhaps your whole life, sort of an entrepreneurial mind, right? That's just the way you think, right? Mm-hmm. Solu- I suppose. I mean, solutions. That's when we were sitting at the dinner table or the breakfast table, it wasn't, where are you going to go to school? It was always, what are you going to do to provide some type of value? And it wasn't exactly framed in that context. It was always because that we were busy-minded thinkers. We were always right. just trying to figure shit out. Yeah. And it was... I never thought about where I needed to go to school. I only thought about um, what would kind of the legacy be of the efforts that I, yeah, and, and how can I figure out outlets to invest in that kind of scratch that itch. Yeah. So you arrive at this point where you're going, you have it in your head uh, that you'd really like to design your own shoe because you've found a couple shoes that you really enjoy and that 
make you enjoy your running more and all this kind of stuff. And you think, man, I want to get, I should start. So do you buy starting a shoe company for dummies? Do you go talk to a mm. shoe designer? Mm. Do you know where, because this is not the way I think. I would think if I thought I need to start a shoe company, that's the end of it right there. I, my brain doesn't work beyond that. I'm like, I need to talk to people who know what, you know, I'm like, oh, I can draw pretty shoes. Right. But that's not, and your mind goes, where, what doors do I need to open to get this ball rolling? You right? said no, he said yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my brain just shuts off at that kind of thing. And yours is like, well, I'll try all the doors. The spoiler alert is that um, I've come up with this philosophy that you're going to hear me use all the time because I'm, I'm repeating it because I'm trying to repeat it. But it's huge goals are just a series of tiny victories strung together in a meaningful way. And I, that's my life philosophy. Okay. And, and I've coming through the, the pinball machine thrown down a mountain a few times trying to win the game is, is it, that's what I've kind of come to realize. So that's the spoiler alert. Okay. But getting into it. Um, I mean, did you know that when you started? No, absolutely not. It was a, it, to me, it was, it was built off of some type of resentment or some type of, um, personal, um, self-esteem issue or the clinical unresolved childhood issues, kind of an idea where it was like, maybe I got made fun of in school and needed to do something cool. Like some girl told me I had big ears one time. So I learned that, you know, after I got this little surgery done on my ears, when I was in like seventh grade that they pulled them back because they were fucking huge, huge ass ears. And right and on. I got them pulled back. And John, I, you're making mic noise. Oh, unbelievable. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's My okay. glasses are all, but, I apologize. But essentially I learned that like, that's anger is a gift. It's exactly. It was like this thing that, that was like, it just, you, you can't unlearn those experiences. So here I am. And I think that was the stepping off point was just trying to make sense out of the nonsense of what I was thinking and feeling. So that was, that was the original. I did buy a book that was like how to build a shoe company. And it was hilarious. Uh, that that's fact. And I, I was looking around the room trying to find it and I don't know where it is, but I'll show it to you. It's pretty epic and uh the other thing was i went and bought some medical plaster and uh like for a cast and i built built a last out of my foot shape and started using a little sewing machine but um just fumbling around but let's go back to john's real question Mm -hmm. which is what made you think you could do it Mm. because he and i we we also had mm-hmm. lots of issues with the running shoe industry. We both went to a, came up in a place that was already fucking with shoes, deconstructing, reconstructing, playing with EVA, putting sheet EVA together and sticking them and, and playing with all that stuff. But, and we're not, neither one of us are engineering oriented, uh, but we definitely had a very big interest in it. And we had no concept that we should start a shoe company. So you, there's something special in you that made you, say not just anger right but something yeah. that said what like what's the what's the pain point for you like why is it like why i gotta do this like what's not out there like there was no expectation on it happening in fact i kind of cloaked the goal into 
what's the inig- initial like public offering of the idea was right. me going on Instagram. I was living, <laughs> I was living at my, uh, my grandpa's house at that time and, um, kind of taking care of them and hanging out and just working at the bike shop Southern. And, uh, and I had, didn't want to tell people I wanted to start a shoe company, but I did tell them that I wanted to run the Houston Marathon in a pair of shoes that I made. And I thought that was funny. So there was, it was almost like, uh, let's see if any, if I can get a reaction from this or a rise. Cause like almost like a provocateur style thing. Like right. I'm going to do this thing. Does anybody think it's stupid? Cause if you think it's stupid, I'm going to keep doing it. But and why did you say that? Be, Just because it, you wanted to construct a shoe or because you, there was a pain point. That's, there was no pain point. There was a desire to feel something inside. Um, for me, if I'm being brutally honest, I just kind of wanted something that, um, that I felt was special. I don't mm-hmm. know what special means uh, in that context. Maybe I just wanted to, some people do things to feel things. You know, I just wanted to feel something. I wanted to have an experience and, and I was using Instagram and and, and stuff at that time just to create experiences. Like if I put this out there, will it make me feel a certain way and kind of, is it going to happen? So I, there was no, in, in initially when I wanted to start what was to be a Treyu at this point, there was no rational outcome. I, I had no money, you know, to really fund the thing to its entirety. And there was no plan. And there was really not a, much of a commitment at that time. When did that come? When was it that you went from, I'm going to build my own shoe mm-hmm. for a run to I'm going to start mm-hmm. a small business that's going to, and, and not just any small business, yeah, I know. but one that it's... requires a whole lot of really technical, challenging issues. You need to know engineering. You need to know um, how to faci- how to get materials. You need to know how manufacturing works and where those places for manufacturing occurs. Right. You need to know what marketing is, how to get into that already saturated, already completely owned, quote unquote, owned markets. I mean, there's a lot of things there did you not life think is it? a crazy situation and there was a point in time I'm like that shit it, would stop because me. yeah well no, it, 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 the reason that would stop most people i would imagine is the same reason that compelled me to commit to it mm. and and it was my first decision that i made was i loved running on the town lake trail and i remember that being my favorite running spot because my brother lived in austin and i was like that's where I need to be because I need to be running out there. So that was the first decision. Like the first real decision to start the company was to move, displace myself, put myself in an uncomfortable environment and go in like, like a man on a secret mission and move and have some critical buy-in. So I'm a big fan of kind of tricking ourselves into, into some critical buy-in because I think there needs to be some collateral to our decisions. They can't just be kind of lopsided. So, um, in that regard, uh, there there was a decision point where I was talking to my brother and we had just come up with the idea that at some point in time, you got to make a commitment to it and see it through. And at that time, he was telling me a lot of things like either you're going to win or you're going to lose. You can kind of decide on how that plays out. And he said the best thing. And so all the only thing I could figure out at the time 
was to say like, you know what, I'm going to move to Austin. I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm going to work at a running store and I'm just going to learn. And so my first step to creating the company was to learn. And it was very uncomfortable because there was so much that I didn't know. I didn't know anything at that point. I didn't even know what probably dual density foams was at that point. And that's like, of, like most real runners know what that means, you, right. you know? So like there was, I started from literal scratch on that. So, so the thing that would stop a lot of people is the knowledge almost. And the thing that, that I think would stop a lot of tenured designers breaking off from Nike or Adidas or somebody massive with a great job, probably in the design department or the industrial design department is because they know too much. They just know a little, they know how scary it's going to be and they know how, what the future holds. I didn't. So my naivety was like the thing that was like, okay, all you got to really do is just move to Austin, go get a job at the running store, learn from there. You'll meet some people, you'll ask for connections. And that's what it was. And I've just been doing that ever since. This brings up my, one of my very favorite quotes. It's from the Duchess of Malfi where ignorance is bliss. Tis folly to be wise. Hmm. Which is just a flip of if you knew how painful it was going to be, would you do it? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is something that most people need to hear in every area of their life because we want the information. We want the end. We want to know instead of just being like, well, yeah, we'll see. I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I meet a lot of really talented people in the industry and I've gotten the pleasure of meeting some of like my heroes and that have come to be my heroes, you know, and, and I meet I meet more people that are, that are probably they they just their their questions are always how are you doing this why did you decide to do it like financially and marketing like there's no room for you you here right. and it's like I didn't know that so there was room for me right. like I I don't know how to explain that even if it was twelve people there would be room and and that that's why I think the the, the original intent of the idea um, always coming back to. I just wanted to feel something like we have this life that I didn't like being, I didn't like sitting on the couch and thinking this can't be done. I didn't like the thought of me wanting to be able to be a furniture designer or a shoe designer or something. I love furniture. Like I absolutely love design. I always have. I love products. I love how things are packaged and shit like that. But I didn't like the idea that because I didn't know it, I couldn't do it. I, to this day, I don't like the idea that because I don't know architecture means that I won't be able to design my house one day. So I can guarantee you that it is my milestone goal, like bucket list goal to design my own home one day and like the whole thing. So I don't know if that's rational or irrational. I think the more you know, the less likely you're going to do it. And the more you desire to do it because you want to experience something or feel something, uh, the whole spectrum of emotions, the more that I've learned that those are the ones that are worth doing. I don't, I don't know. These ideas that are the most difficult are probably the most fruitful. But um, yeah, I, sorry for that ramble. Well, I no, I think also like, I, I just thought you also had the momentum of hot dogs, right? 
like had the, some business acumen accumulated from the hot dog restaurant, so, which was kind of the same conception. So, you, like, there was a sense like I've done this, and that they're related in that you're starting something new in an area that you're not like. They're related because both, both the the common denominator between both of those ideas is that they they both needed money to start. There was a high level of risk and there wasn't a lot of knowledge in the industries going into them. Um, and so <laughs> I was like, like <laughs> it's fucking everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, so what whoa. did you have? So he's basically say he has a heart, he has a heart yeah. and he has energy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and curiosity and cur- yeah. curiosity and you, I mean, come on with it. Curiosity yeah. is about the greatest it's thing the ever thing, because yeah. you can have the smartest person in the world who's not curious and they just don't produce anything. Right. Um, but you can have, you know, a pretty average intelligence with huge curiosity doing some great stuff. And I, I think that playing in the small town restaurant startup game was a perfect example because the sets of emotions are the same. It's like... It's it it's a, it's it's a concept that I used to talk about a lot like the the way that I feel when I was making decisions about paying back the loan on the restaurant are the same sets of emotions that I have paying back the loan on our next purchase order from the financial institution right. that so graciously is partner with us like it's awesome so I mean the if you take out the event you know, big shoe company or growing shoe company versus a restaurant in a small town, I feel the exact same way. And I actually felt the same way when I was playing my first unpaid gig at the coffee shop, acoustic. And what's that feeling? Scared shitless. And, but knowing that I wanted that type of, I'm not a masochist by any means, but I am somebody looking for an experience. I like want to feel something. I think that's why, you know, I live my, first half of my life the way I did but But there's another piece here though I think that's important Mm -hmm. um and I think it might be going back to John's question or our statement like we wouldn't do it right is that you have something else I don't know if this is generational or just you but um I do feel like the younger generations have this more than our generation does which is you have some kind of inherent trust in the universe Mm. And I, I don't, yeah. I didn't, I've, I've right. earned that over many years. Um, but still when I find myself in deep, really existential risk situations, I go back to my Gen X, everything's fucked and I have nothing. <laughs> and you, and, and, and in a lot of ways, and that's where we come from. I think yeah. that John and I speak the same language <laughs> here. Like we both feel that way because of, uh, I mean, I think Gen X, I've said this many times, I think times, I think Gen X, there's a lot of things we fucked up, but we were kind of fucked up to begin with because they stole our religion. They stole our meaning. They stole everything. We had music for a while, but we didn't have anything else. And we had, we inherited a fucking shit show of a economy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying Gen X has all these problems, but there's a reason why John and I didn't think we could. But I love that it seems like there's this hope in a, in younger generations that says, but that hope, where's it coming from? Is it coming from this 
Like you, I know this for sure with you, Michael, because I do feel strongly from you that you trust the universe. I, and what I'm, what I'm, I mean that in my own language, I'm not saying you can, I'd love to hear you. It's not necessarily that. saying because I'm not necessarily an optimist, but I do, I don't, but you're not a pessimist, I'm not a pessimist either. And so that's it, a big, yeah. that's saying there's trust there. You're not an optimist says sun, you know, rainbows and unicorns mm-hmm. and sunshine every day. You're saying there's going to be shit, but I can get through it. And that's a, that's a, I call it, it's basically an inherent trust that things are going to work out. Life is such an interesting, I mean, it's the ultimate concept. And I think that most people might not be thinking about it a lot. Like what is the universe? Like what, if you ever, if you ever want to get your mind blown, just go outside at night and look up and it'll make you like, I mean, it's, it's infinite. Like how insane that these day-to-day things that we're doing, if you really want to get analytical about something and take the emotion out of it, like what we do is not, I would say that it's not necessarily the big picture. Like it's just, there. there's a bigger concept out there. So I don't know why I'm here or what I'm doing, but I do kind of make sure that and this is where I can say that it's not optimism or pessimism, but it, I don't want to waste the, the day. I don't want to waste the sets of emotions that. Um, but that I'm means having. that you trust that you know. That means that yeah. you have a basic trust that I don't think John and I was well, certainly when we were your age we didn't have. No. So, and I'm I'm not going to harp mm-hmm. on that anymore. I'm just going to leave that in its place because it is what it is. One thing I do think would be really interesting to kind of pull this back to the original question, which is there were pain points Mm -hmm. and you know our talk the way we started this was if you knew in advance would you have done it so give us an idea of some of those pain points because at this point it does sound like unicorns and rainbows and everything's fucking sunshine it's definitely so talk us through a few of those pain points um either recent or or early on that give people an idea of what (laughs) you know you did find yourself in real life IRL with debt and worry and stress and talk a little bit about either the specifics or the in generalities doesn't really matter. Give somebody, give John and I a chance to feel that pain so that then we have an opportunity to kind of go, Oh yeah, like I've been there or Holy fuck. I've never been in that situation (laughs) before. Something, something interesting to set the, kind of ground floor on what I'm about to say is that I've been an, an inherently guilt, like guilt ridden person since I was a kid. I remember feeling guilty about everything. Um, since I was just the youngest of age, I don't know where that comes from, but I do know that I'm motivated from it to kind of do, do right. I don't know why I particularly said that, but I think it's, it's going to be nestled into the, the, the final pain point in here. Uh, which is the 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 thing the thing that I don't want to come across is that I don't live with stress because I do and I always have and I don't necessarily want the stress to be related to the the shoe company because I've always been maybe guilt is not the right word it's anxiety like I've lived with anxiety a lot of my life and I and, and sometimes I'm mistaken that is guilt. And, I, I, and for that, I don't know what, wh- where that comes from or what that means. But 
The thing that I've struggled with the most is that cool, fun, I just want to feel something idea in the beginning has turned at certain points in time into being a nightmare. Just an absolute nightmare. Like where if you would have given me the opt-out switch or the ejection switch, I would have said, fuck no, I'm not doing this right now. I can't do it anymore. There's shit crawling through my skin. And this lasts for days, weeks, it's sometimes months. And I I, I don't, and, and, and I'm not saying that it's warranted or unwarranted or from the business or un, not from the business. This is my personality. So I deal with things um, to, to, to get out of to get out of the general day to day anxiety that I feel, um, and the company is just a great learning ground for that. So the the things that um, to answer your question, Steve, the, the the pain points that I've discovered along the way were the things that I the things that I didn't know made, that made it easy to start were also the things that made it incredibly difficult to understand where I was at that particular time. When COVID hit, uh, we, we launched uh, February 20, 2020, and COVID was kind of a thing March 2020. So I'd already put the down payment on the shoes, taken some people's payments, um, you know, maybe the next round's on the way. We got to that first round, and we were a subscription business at that time, uh, which was another can of worms. Uh, that was a pain point. But lo and behold, uh, a few purchase orders later, Without getting too much into the business weeds, there's something called a cash conversion cycle. And a cash conversion cycle is when you pay for shit and like, and then it comes and then you can sell it and then you can make good on that cash, make a profit from it. Well, COVID had taken what was a 60 to 75 production window forecast in Asia with a 34 to 38 day delivery mm. and turned that into a, oh, you know, let's just call the production cycle, you know, six months and the delivery is going to be another four months. And it was like, whoa, this is a 10 month cash conversion cycle and we're going to run out of cash. And it's uncertain. It's uns- uncertain. It's completely yeah. uncertain. So you put so it wasn't guy- a date. They were, they were just saying it may be this. Well, what happened was there was the Beijing Olympics and right. factories shut down at half capacity. Um, so every other day they were closed. Um, I, I, because of what I heard was they wanted to kind of make the air, you know, a little cleaner. That's, that's at least what I heard. And, um, and that just blew my mind. I was like, Whoa, the, the thing that I ordered in October that I thought would be done in January is now being produced in April. This was last year. So it's now being produced in April. The ports are clogged up. Everybody's writing about it. The shipping containers went from like, $8,000 8000 to $24,000 a container. And then taxes are just un, just relentless. So, like, that wasn't in the business model at all. Like, the, these types of things just weren't in the Excel scratch pads that you put together when you're building the cash flows at the beginning of the company. So, I mean, there was a period in time where I was on the phone with our liaisons in Asia, and uh, they live in the U.S., but they communicate on behalf of us because they have a relationship with the factories, and it's they're, they're just the glue. They're right. the compliance. They're the whole thing. And 
we were talking and they were like, well, capacities at half speed production that, you know, containers are up like four X and shipping times are, are fucked. And do you want like, and they were just telling me this and there was no like, so what do you want to do at the back end of that? They were like, I just started laughing and, and they were like, well, you're taking this pretty well. And I just looked at them and I was like, I'm in, I've got, I got things to pay. I've got people that have dedicated their lives to kind of, or their family's well-being to kind of work here. And I'm laughing because essentially what you're asking me if I want to keep going is if I want to keep my job. And I want to keep my job. So I, I don't have any other choice but to make it work. I don't know if it's rational or not, but we just got to go. Like, I, I got to get these shoes. I need, I need these 10,000 shoes and I need them now. Um, and if now means 10 months from now, then fuck it. We'll figure that out. So, um, was it like you just also had a sense that you needed to complete that cycle to get the shoes in your hand so you could realize it was a literally a chance to say this probably isn't working. Um, you could have had a good excuse. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a a bailout point. Mm -hmm. And they were giving it to you, expecting yeah. you to actually take it. <laughs> yeah, and just going like this is right. you know things have become a little crazy, untenable. And, yeah, right. and <laughs> and um, I don't know. That was very painful because I lived for ten months just absolutely swimming with ants in my skin. You, you know, so um, and it doesn't. What I've learned is it doesn't necessarily stop. And you know, the subscription thing was an absolute disaster it was just a disaster. I mean, there was one bullet point on the Excel sheets that I didn't understand, uh, when I built it, which was if you have four colors of shoes and somebody wants a subscription, you have four people who buy the subscription. Well, you need to reserve enough for them to where they don't run out. So that means, X pairs in the future. So four people doesn't just mean four shoes in the future. You can't just go back and order four. You actually have to order 16 because they have to have access to all the colors colors. and then they have to have some in the future. And then if you really want them to always have access to, they have to order 20. So eight people becomes 40 shoes in the back stock. 20 people becomes like a hundred in the back stock. And it was like, Oh, this is inversely proportionate to what is, rational it's not like taking coffee beans and you know weighing them out and getting them you, you have to buy a bunch of well the model goods. of commerce is those kinds of options yeah. should require a greater investment right so in, in the main in the main model yeah. in the main well for you but i mean in the main model the way it works is if there's four colors as those colors go away you can raise your price but because there's a prescription, you can't change. Yeah. And you have right. to have it, and you can't raise the price. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the whole model is, okay, once you get it, that's the idea. That's how the capitalistic system works. The reason it works is because sca- if without scarcity, right. it doesn't function. Yeah. And I, don't think that, I don't think people who buy stuff understand that. Right? No, like was- a subscription model does that. Amazon totally fucks with our head on that. 
The mom and pop, working in mom and pops, like working at that running shoe store, you know, when that sucker, we couldn't raise the price, but people came in faster. They got there quicker. All the other Mm -hmm. levers get pulled. I mean, in that subscription model, there's no lever to pull. All the, you're getting, the lever's getting pulled on you. Yeah. And (laughs) And then it's your fault instead of them deciding whether or not they want to raise, oh, I don't want to spend $800 for something that was $80, but some people will. Yeah, when we went out, we bought, I, I built, I, I did, wireframed a custom website on a custom backend with custom developers. And we rebuilt a website and we launched it. It took us about nine months to build it and launch it, maybe more. And we used it for about a month or two and we threw it away. Oh, I have, I in my business, I have two hundred thousand dollar holes and this is you know early, you know, early aught so two hundred thousand dollar holes in the sky that I, I consider oh yeah those wasted websites are like little stars that oh blink. yeah i put a lot of money to get to that star and it blinked out before you actually well got uh, yeah exactly i mean <laughs> we're, we're just like, like, i built this whole ship and got all this engineering to get you up there and then it went away and you're like oh you buy a couple ferraris if you wanted to and drag them <laughs> behind a hummer on a chain for the amount of money that like i've wasted we at least, making mistakes it's <laughs> like you could have at least had fun and like run them off the great yeah. canyon or blown them up with but your own did. incendiaries or something exactly but it's it's that would have been great marketing as well. <laughs> like just put some Atreyu logos on them and then all of a sudden we're in the news. But instead that was just a quiet one night. It was like, this isn't working. And, and you got to go pivot and, and it's tough. It's just, so what tough. I'm hearing from you is you just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we can make it as complicated and as challenging, but basically what you said is no, I'm going to, you can quit or you don't. Right. And then if you don't, you keep put one foot in front of the other. But I love, I love this because I think it's really important to get people to hear. We, we, we wash this stuff under, you know, we heard this whole story. We feel, I felt Michael's pain. I don't know if you did. I felt Michael's pain. <laughs> Definitely. And, but yet at the end of the day, what's his option? Yeah. He's, he's impeccable. Yeah. So he's got responsibilities and he will stand for his responsibility and he could turn and pivot and go, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go stand in front of my employees and tell them I'm out because we can't make this work. And they would have understood and they would have moved on and life would have been fine or he could keep going. And it doesn't sound to me like he really understands why right, or how it's just in that moment. He oh, did. There's no rational. You like just did. Yeah. It's, it's, and I, and I think that these are these people. Reason is way overrated, yeah. way overrated. Rationality is not how we operate. Like we have at least 200,000 years of being a species where up until 2,000, 2,500 years ago, reason didn't even exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were reasoning, but it wasn't a thing. So do you think that our nervous system understands reason? And yet we've got it as this hugely important most essential critical human skill set no no skill set is doing what he did and saying hmm, i'm going to pivot and i'm going to go this way and i don't know why like if you go down the reason road why is he successful because he doesn't go down the reason road that's my point yeah i get so much comfort from talking to my brother because he's kind of like 
he's gone down this pinball machine probably 10 years in front of me, nine years in front of me. And he, I called him about something the other day, which was, um, the culture kind of like, what kind of, how do you think about that? Like, what, what are you thinking about some of these? Cause inherently I got, have an idea of what kind of it might look like in the future. You know, if this company does have the legs on it to go 10 years in the future and stuff like that. But it's like, your job is not to be rational. Frankly, it's to be irrationally in charge of its momentum and that's it. That's, that's all you have to do. I mean, you have to be rational. You have to take people's feelings into account. But it is not when when you step out into making a decision to go into the unknown, um, training for the first marathon, um, and you have zero idea what that's going to entail. I, I it's a kind of it's kind of that arc where it seems kind of cool to be like, you know, I'm going to go run track. I'm going to do track intervals on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm going to do my long runs on the weekend. Like I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for my first marathon. I'm going to do the cycle. But you, if you kind of download that, the entire series of emotions and kind of what you go through in that cycle and you re-ask that question, I bet you a lot of folks would be like, you know what? I'll just put this off until next year because I don't know if I want to go through that right now. But at the end of the day, they don't have that experience of getting on that plane and flying to Sacramento and going to CIM or going to Houston and running right. the Houston Marathon or Austin Marathon. Like you, you don't get that experience. And there's something there's something interesting about not knowing all of the emotions that are associated with it on at the onset. Um, yeah, the I'm I think about. So you, you, my, my diatribe against rationality, you can, you don't have to be rational if you're impeccable. So let me unpack impeccable. Impeccable means that you stand, who you are, you stand for. Mm. So there's a lot of flexibility to who you are, but who you are, you'll stand for. And if you do that, you don't actually have to be so rational because at the end, the buck stops with you. And that this is so critical is something I teach in my coaching all the time is you can write you, you're free to write whatever check you want to, but you're going to have to cash it. Mm. So, and, and you don't actually have to have the money in the bank in the moment. No. Mm -mm. If you thought about the money in the bank, that would be rational, wouldn't it? Yeah. But we, how many times, John, do you have athletes writing checks they can't cash? Well, you know, the <laughs> irrationality, uh, I think, is part of uh, the creative element, too. You know, like you, you know, I imagine when you were a kid, you were puttering around with like taking stuff apart or looking at or reading up on things, research. You know, you probably from a really early age had that inquisitive mind. And so irrationality for you, it, that inquisitive mind has like, uh, you're, you've wired yourself to be comfortable with irrational decisions. You know what I mean? Mm. 
you're you're so you're pretty comfortable with that and most like for me if i like irrational decisions irrational decisions took like 20 years out of my life and just through you know what i mean like i'd really rather and so i don't have like you have a comfort level with like sort of stepping off into something that is that I'm, I'm just Golly, hugely that's so interesting that you, you know, would just, say that I'm just hugely envious of the weird thing about being irrational is it almost feels like life or death. If I don't do it, then I feel like I'm being yeah. irrational. Yeah. It, it, but that's for, my point because you're some impeccable people, because you're impeccable because at the end of the day, your ethics, your virtue, you, who you are, what Michael is, can't be assaulted. This is, you have a very unusual, most people that I meet do not have this sense. I'm not saying you're perfect. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying is like, you're going to, the fact that when you went through that conversation about all those bills coming and you knowing in that conversation with the, with whoever it was about shipping, mm-hmm. um, your first thought was who? Your employees. My team. <laughs> like, like, that's not typical. Most people is like, I'm going to be a financial ruin. Yeah. Oh, because all I wanted to do at that point emotionally was go get a job at Starbucks. Oh, it would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? And then start yeah. playing music again. And, and yeah. I, what I wanted to do deep down inside was like, oh, I this is this is the out. You're like going to the cabin. Ex- going to exactly. the cabin. In the woods. I'm going to go record that folk album that I've never <laughs> recorded. And for whatever reason, it feels wrong to do the right thing. Like I don't know why, and I don't know. I was I was picking picking media kind of uh, carousel quotes for the website uh, this morning because. Apparently they help with your conversion rate on your website, which if y'all want to learn about that, we can talk about it one day. Very, very exciting. But the only ones I found out, the ones that I picked was like, they need to do this because it's different. Like they were almost ironic comments that I really enjoyed because it was extracting the idea that Runner's World wrote one that was like, who's crazy enough to start a running shoe company in 2020 with zero experience like this one i was like that's going on the site yeah. it should you know yeah. and it's and it's funny because like i i don't i don't know why those are the most intriguing as opposed to the shoe performs relatively well <laughs> those seems so boring yeah. it's i don't i don't know but it would be to me it would be it would be an absolute disaster just to have a bunch of affirmations on the on the website as to why people should buy it. They, I like to give people reasons why they shouldn't, you know, think that this is a thing, and then they're like intrigued. I don't know. It's it's a very what? odd situation. I'm the worst marketer of all time because I'm always playing a little bit of trickery, maybe. So, what are the things you've learned that you didn't know that you've used for other things? Because that's the piece that sort of the the bright side to the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. Not knowing, you know, is, is this going to all, if I knew in advance, blah, blah, blah. Right. We've, yeah. We've already mm-hmm. unpacked that, but unpacking the more like, so you didn't know how to do, I mean, I watch you running around with a camera. Like, yeah. like you're like, I think it goes back to John's point, curiosity. 
and creativity oh, or like are so deeply and I think an impeccability like a willingness to stand in your place mm-hmm. these are I think it's really important for our listeners to hear that that those attributes are things that are learnable they're very learnable and they're and yeah. they are they're actually worldview kind of they're like bigger picture they're like the space we have used to hold religion in right like the container that we used to, the I am or virtue in the old classical sense of the Greeks, right? Like we, you, you started that you, you started this conversation, Michael, with, I feel guilty or I am not enough or Mm -hmm. I can't. And then it turned into rage and anger. And then anger became a gift that turned into, but what you have now seems to me to be an entire, um, like, ethical skill set or like like way of being that allows you to deal with all these other challenges in a way that says okay bring it like why do you select that quote because you're like bring it mm-hmm. so it's <laughs> well, so interesting is 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 this I, I i first learned it i heard somebody say one time about their experience with their partner and they they wouldn't have gone through with the committing to this partner if they would have known how difficult it would have been. But having done it, they would have not changed a thing and they wouldn't have changed the person that they've done it with. So like getting forged through all of the things um, was far superior than just being comfortable. And, and I think about what went into it with, with these ideas and I've often found that with pain, specifically pain and anxiety, there, there is always an opposite kind of situation that's associated with that, that I've become obsessed with. So the more anxiety, like a shadow, like a shadow, there's always a, a shadow side to it. And through in the other side of that is, for somebody's like, oh, this guy has low self-esteem. He's got uh, how he's saying that, but like, what comes on the other end of it? There's there's fruit on the other end. The thing that keeps me going, and the thing that keeps me as obsessed with going into the unknown today, and why I will choose to do it, is because I've come out of it with, I'm an industrial designer now. I will be able to design furniture. I will be able to design shoes. Like I know how it's done. Like those were unknown to me. Another care I've, my hobby, which I didn't have before is photography and videography. I came out with a hobby that I'm absolutely in love with. Um, Design for websites and, and things like some people do it for a living. I guess you could say that I do it for a living because I do it with, our website. I built our entire website. I do all the coding. I did some coding this morning on it. Um, learning simple, like, you know, but to me, it, it's not work. It's a hobby. So I've come, the fruits of these things have yielded kind of this quality of, of life that I've with the pain and anxiety comes an entire shift in the life. And the life is now I live the life of a guy who just loves photography. He can, he knows how design works and, um, there's no mystery, um, about designing products in Asia and for mass production anymore. Like that was, 
I did not like having that mystery, you know, and, and this is what I've learned is that I've, I have this beautiful, beautiful company, um, that I'm deeply passionate about that I can selfishly put everything I have into. And that's a fun outlet for me because it's, I'm always looking for that self-esteem kind of booster. And this, this, I mean, I, it's built in every day, every waking hour I've got it, but it's the fruits on the back end of the pain and anxiety that I, that I've just come to obsess about. Like what, what's down the road? I, I don't really know. Um, but I do know that each time I've jumped in, I've come out with something far greater than the anxiety or the pain that I had to go through to get it. Mm. That's an obsession. I mean, that's, that's my first marathon. I mean, fuck me. I, I, what the hell was that? Zero idea what I was doing. Asking a friend to give me training plans. Waking up at four to go to the McNeese State University track by myself, having Coach Gilroy pull me aside and be like, you got to fucking jog your, 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 your intervals, you, you know, like you can't be throwing up on the track. I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. And it, but it was like active recovery, active recovery. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll string them together next time. Coach, you know, it was like stuff like that is, it was very hard to get up those mornings. But then all of a sudden on the back end of that finish line, it was like, it's just, it's unexpected. It's the life-changing aspect. It's what you can't define, which is why running becomes so important, which is why there is also something that's a little bit different than the hot dog restaurant and the running company because running taps into something that's like spiritual, you know, with, yeah, with most people. So like to me, the yeah, stakes a, are higher. It's, running's a path with heart. Yeah, the stakes are higher. When you are responsible for something as simple as somebody's running shoes, you're responsible for being a part of the little puzzle. That's what coaches feel. Yeah, it's it. I mean, the good coaches feel that same way. John, he's talking about fruits. You know, when you started coaching, you definitely didn't know the pain. <laughs> mm -mm. Um, but. As you've learned through your experience as a coach, what are those fruits, those those unexpected benefits in your life that you gained that give it savor, that give it flavor? You know, it's like uh, it's um, feeling the sense of accomplishment shared. Um, it's. Um, It's re it the sim at the simplest level. It's realizing goals, um, shared experiences, but then, um, it just the the, the just the excitement of watching someone like learn about their limits. You know, it's never the fruits are never numbers or anything like that. It's always just watching people be really excited. What about you? What about like, has it changed your mental disposition? Does it, does coaching, coaching giving you something that's like 
giving you a reason to kind of go against the grain or, well, it, you know, keep doing it in spite of, you it's, know, or, honestly, it's really like I, my, whatever reason or whatever it is, is I just need to be able to be able to help people mm-hmm. manage whatever they're, whatever they're doing. And I just happen to be doing it within the context of running. Yeah. And like, that's, you know, if, if people talk about purpose, mm-hmm. I, it's at the most fundamental level, it's um, just being of service, that's like awesome. helping. Yeah. You're like, very if I'm going to, if yeah. I'm going to take like, if there's going to be a material thing that I get out of it, it's like, I really like seeing people like, you know, and I, my kids use this, I'm going to use my kids language. They always talk about W's and L's, you know what I mean? And so like, if somebody gets a W, that's the best, you know? What happens when they get an L? Then it's, it's, it's the learning experience. That's all it is. But it hurts. Oh yeah. And you, you can't, Put a band you can't put a band-aid over the hurt. It's a shit sandwich. Yeah, you and you if if the person you're working with comes to the realization that the L is just an L and that's it, and it has no value other than what it says there, then that's the biggest you know what I mean? Like when you know, if if you don't hit your goal in a race you get a little, I mean, everybody is like, you, and then you have to deconstruct. But if you step back a little bit or pan out, you know, that's going to be, you know, you've got this whole spectrum, this chronology of a running career or a business career or whatever. And there are going to be an infinite number of those L's along the way. But at some point, you're panning out so far, the L's disappear. You know what I mean? And because you have this unbroken line, that's the biggest W, right? Because what's what was that? Uh, for a while, I was really uh, into the, it's a Japanese, Nana Kurobi Yaoki, and I know I butchered the, uh, but it's <laughs> the pronunciation, but it's fall down seven times, get up eight, you know? And so all those little, if you really step back enough, those L's just disappear. And yeah, that's that's really hard because we all get really monofocal and, you know, because we, our culture only values W's. Yeah. I, and I, I yeah. this is something I learned as a coach that I didn't understand as an athlete. And it took me years to understand as a coach. Um, no one ever learns. And I think that the ultimate purpose of running um there's a spiritual purpose, which is to get into an awareness space and have a moment and those things. But the purpose of racing, training, right. racing, um, is to learn ultimately to grow and to learn. Mm-hmm. I have never met anybody that learned from a W at least most yeah. of the people I work with. Yeah. The W is just an immediate launch into the next W and that there's some addiction or some kind of perpetual W machine (laughs) that doesn't exist. You can't learn from I would go as far as to say is that there's, there's no, there's no shoe company without 
there is there's no Atreyu without I've yet I mean you could you could describe it as a series of wins, but I describe it as as a series of losses and and what the next move was. Yep. Like and I think culturally these days talking about the losses looks a little bit too real when it's out of context. And that's something that I'd really like to see change a little mm-hmm. bit. I like seeing I Frankly, I'm sorry to say it. I like seeing pros fuck up because it it's relatable. Like it's 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 awesome. Like I, it's all right, I'm gonna bang my fist on the table and say this whole idea of this podcast started by me telling you we need to steal the fucking culture. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. We need to steal that wins are the way we define ourselves as people or as athletes or as business owners that our good side is our best side. Yeah. Like, no, that's the, that's about reframing what the loss is. It's showing that you and this is, you know, you want to go into the hero's journey. This is the entirety of the hero's journey. People always think about the hero's journey as started out here, kind of went down, came up top constant focus on this and they forget that there's the loss there is no hero without reaching the bottom right um i don't like the hero's journey personally i think the hero's journey is a false is a false front i think it's a western push on a what i call the fool's journey mm-hmm. using the tarot card that's a zero mm-hmm. which is john's tattoo on his wrist which is an eternal circle which is there's the top is the bottom and the bottom is the top and it's all flowing, but we don't learn from these things. If we can steal the culture back to say, own your losses, show us your space. We will, we will revel in your success when we know your loss. Mm. And I think, you know, the, you know, who gets this the most women, women have a much deeper understanding of this, at least in my experience as a coach watching them, they do take it hard, but they come back around again. Um, and it, it's not a requirement of childbirth, right? It's not like an initiation. Right. It's like they're built that way differently than men are. Men are built so much like the hero's journey is the only journey. Wins, wins, wins. And women are like, oh, you, you take what you get. You keep rolling. You keep showing up. You keep making it happen. And I mean, I don't want to make this a gender, a gendered thing, but I do think it's something that... Um, I'm adamant about stealing the culture back from shiny, happy people, rainbows and unicorns and plated shoes. And all I got were wins and better is best. And I'm a hero. (laughs) Like, fuck that. You know, like in like to add levity to it, but staying on topic, I'd like to start seeing shoe ads where it's, um, you know, somebody like dry heaving or, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Remember, uh, my right. favorite is the Todd Williams. Is that what you're going to say? The, the, the trunk of the Adi- car? The old Adidas ads. They had so many good ones. There's one with Todd Williams. Who's this like our, our generation's greatest American distance runner. Um, Steve Holman was the best, but Todd was, the, T-Will was got the results. Now he's he, like in the Kung Fu or something. He's jujitsu. He's in Brazilian <laughs> jujitsu. Yeah, he's a badass. Yeah, he's a badass. He's always a badass. I've he's, known him. He's a good friend of mine. He's, I've known him for a very long time. He is just straight up a badass. I mean, he's one click away from cuckoo, but he is, 
anyway, he, there's this great photo of him and his trunk is open and his butt naked and he's got mud splatter all over the back of his legs <laughs> and he's picking out a shoe. Yeah. Uh, looking at his shoe, and I don't think it actually says anything. Did is it? I don't it even know what the words. Runner, it was they're, they're, Runners the, are different. Runners are different. Runners are different, or something yeah. like yeah. that. But it's like, yeah, it's like total. Yeah. So, like, all think about shoe ads where it's usually models who have this affected running form, right? Frolicking and through it's everybody, beautiful. everybody's fit <laughs> and happy and you know, these idyllic settings and everything. And they really should take a picture of like a Sunday morning church of the long run, like 10 minutes into the run where nobody's talking and hardly anybody's looking up and everybody, you're, they're still waiting for the caffeine to course through the blood. That's what you need to take a picture of. And you don't have to make it all skinny elite. You know what I mean? They come in it all can, shapes and sizes. Yeah, that's what you need to do. But it, we're stuck in this, um, we need to look like our ads are going to be involved. But, but we also don't need to fabricate for a demographic that needs representation. No, but what I'm saying is that you take a picture of the Sunday morning long run. Right. Because that's most of the time, you know, unless, this you're, is the unless thing, you're in an, a group. Not when you're ready for the picture. <laughs> right. This is the thing. Not, when you're not ready for the picture, right. get that one. Yeah. This is the thing Rogue did right. Rogue always got that right. It's about a community. It's about people yep. who are just out there doing yeah. the thing. Yep. And the only thing that made them different was their athletic. They were an athlete. It didn't matter if they ran, if they were couched to 5K program. Right. Or they were in the Team Rogue highest level program. Like they were getting after it. Yep. And I just, I think we can, like you said, I mean, we need to steal. I think we need to steal the culture. I but, think so too. And, 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 you know, to bring this full circle, like, Michael already, this is what this whole episode has been about, which is how do you, how would you redo things? How would you do things different? How, what did you learn? And all those, it's like, yeah, but yes, yes and yes, and yes and yes. But it's more along the lines of the frame, the frame that Michael moves throughout life. <laughs> yeah. Curiosity, creativity, and I called impeccability, refusing. I mean, these are, attributes we all possess and we all can use to enhance our experience and they won't let you down like a image or a photograph right or your fastest interval at the end of that comes always the fastest interval the fastest rep comes right before you get hurt <laughs> Well, and we yeah. all see the fastest yeah. interval and everybody puts the fastest interval and points to it on Strava or points to it wherever, but the subsequent crush, yep. it's like, I'm in for the bottom, the, where the, I'm okay with the hero's journey. As long as I've got part of that is including what happened yep. at the bottom. Like that's gotta be, and our sport is all about mucking in the bottom. Oh Yeah. It's not a lot of, not a lot of beautiful moments. And maybe oh. that, maybe some people would say, well, that's why I want to show you my very best rep because that very best rep is I worked so hard. I went through so much to get there and I did it. So I, I don't want to dishonor that. 
that 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 moment of pointing at came at a lot of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But let's hear that story too, not just the. You know, I was I'm I thought about this about two days ago, and because I'm slow, it was from something you guys talked about a couple of weeks ago. I just sort of picked up on it. Remember, we were talking about going to shows, and nowadays when you go to shows, boom, everybody has their phone up, right? Mm-hmm. Ivy went to a show the other night, and she said it like. Now it's part of the show where, all right, buddy, show your lights. It's the, you know what I mean? And it's, people are filming the entire show on their phones. This is gonna, this is almost gonna be like blasphemy, but like Strava and all that stuff to me is holding up your phone at a show. That's what I think of it. I'm 100% with you, brother. Couldn't agree. This and, is why I'm saying steal the culture. <laughs> um, it's, I, it, I've, I've not talked to, I talk to more people who, and we're not saying that Strava and these other things are bad. No. Because I love coming back to the data when I need it. I'm saying that it's you'd be hard-pressed to find a person that doesn't really let it bother them. Find one person that is do, is truly publishing those ideas for themselves. A lot of things are published for various reasons. I meet more, and what I'm trying to say is I meet more people who are afraid to post a slow workout because they're afraid of what people think. Well, that's just absolutely, I I mean, from an outsider who doesn't care what people, from a triathlete's perspective, you're just going to look fucking slow. Yeah. I, I can crush out in the field, but my workouts in compared to the running community here look slow as hell sometimes. And if I gave a shit what they thought about my 10 minute miles, I'd, I'd have a problem because I'd burn out nine times out of 10. If I was running every triathlete workout at seven 30, like it'd be, it'd be terrible. So I, I don't know. I, but I do meet an alarming amount of people who really give a shit and it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Well, you know, and it's, it, a little, some of it on my part, I think, is I'm just being petty as hell because, you know, when you hear one of the people at a workout, you know, the day before, they everybody is supposed to have a, you know, 50 to 60 minute easy run. And you hear someone come in like, hey, man, you see I got that segment yesterday? And you're like, what the? You know, I can hear you. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, come on. I can't do my job if you're going to allow yourself to be influenced by all this external unless stuff. Unless that's the game. Unless yeah. you're playing that game, unless which is cool too. Yeah. Like it's cool, but they They're need playing to be, both games. Yeah. You, you can't yeah, play yeah. two games at one time. Yeah. Yeah. You can't care what other people think and not trust the program. Right. You, 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 you have to not care what people think if you're going to submit to the program. That's, John, I, I would say that that person, that's when I would, say you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why I say my athletes are full of shit. And I don't mean every single athlete at all times is a full of shit, but right. so many of us are. And I'm not saying that because I'm not full of shit too. Right. Right. Um, but as the person responsible for the results of the athlete that wants to point to their Strava W and not their command performance W Right, because that command performance is going to be impacted if there's more and more Strava segments that are W's. So, what do you? I mean, this is what I mean. People don't really know what they want. 
They don't really know what they want. Yeah. So I guess it all relates somehow. <laughs> you know what? Conversation? Yeah. <laughs> I you know what? The world <laughs> is round. We'll get there. <laughs> Life is a mysterious <laughs> thing. Yeah. Rational is not always rational. Irrational can be rational. Um, pain equals and anxiety equals really nice tasting fruits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then still the culture back because losses are more important than we like to uh, feed them with. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun roundabout. I, I, <laughs> we need to somehow have like a, a, uh, an audible, um, footnote thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where we can like, and we'll give a prompt to the listeners and the, you know, beforehand, like when you hear this sound, you'll know that there is a note after the recording, <laughs> you know, or something <laughs> like that. And then, an we can, and then we can go yeah. on and on about something else. It's been Guys. a fun one. Guys, it's so much fun doing this with you guys. I have so much fun doing this. It's Thank really, you. It's it's really fun. Thank you so much, and thanks for asking me that question last week, John. And and thanks for giving me the forum to talk a little bit about the things. So, and this know. is where the podcaster in me comes out and says, if this is actually going to be consumed by the general public, thank you, listener, for going on this journey with us. And you can find us at www.we'renothere.com. <laughs> We don't have a name.com. <laughs> Turn the page. Turn the page. Yeah.